Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2014, and then end with a review of The Expendables 3. That's right. It's our first dual review episode, guys. Yeah. You excited? So much goodness in one episode. Oh, all of the good movies. It's going to be great. So, um, before we get to all of that good stuff, uh, find us on Facebook, search for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast, uh, go to MidwestFilmNerdsPodcast.com for all of our previous episodes and full show notes. Uh, go on Twitter at MFN Podcast. We're also on Instagram under that name. And send us feedback to feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. Give us a call at 248-7335-MFN, which is 248-7335-636. So, uh, about last week, um, some viral marketing for Into the Storm got really out of hand and just buried Detroit (laughs) in water. I'm kidding about the virus. (laughs) But... Yeah, we got flooded out. The normal Midwest film nerds. Uh, uh, we didn't see into the storm. No, we did. Oh, it was too close to home. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, we were all too emotional. That was clearly not a viral marketing campaign <laughs> because that movie doesn't even have enough money to hire a star. <laughs> so, um, but <clears throat> we uh, between between our our home base getting flooded out, and then on top of that, my car almost burst into flames. Not really, but it was on fire a little bit. Uh, it was it was a it was a busy week, so we didn't get an, uh, a podcast out, and hence the dual review episode. So now that that's over with, uh, we'll get right into. Should some we lo- explain how I'm back from the dead? The, Tim is back from I'm the dead. dead. I was killed on the last episode. Yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim didn't know that he was he was uh, brutally murdered in the struggle for me to take back the podcast. Killed off last week. But much like Jason in part six of Friday the Thirteenth, I was struck by a bolt of lightning during the flood <laughs> and have returned yeah. stronger than ever. I believe. <laughs> Go listen to our retro podcast of all the Jason movies to yes. get these references, these excellent references. Yes. yes. Welcome back, Tim. Thanks. It's good to see you. You know what? I'm going to give you this on air. I got you a present. Oh my god! From Japan. Um, I think you should take a look at it. It's in a Tower Records bag. Oh my god! Tower Records bag. This is oh oh my god! It's Purple Raid, a Japanese version of Purple Raid. Yeah. Uh, I wish they could see my face right now. I'm I'm unsure if it's uh, dubbed or not. I don't know if there's a Japanese track. The best part about this is on the back and the description, but it's all in Japanese except for the artist formerly known as Parentheses. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. This is beautiful. Alex, thank you so much. You're, you're quite welcome. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, this is my first time seeing you since I've been home. So I know. Oh, I'm, what a uh, gift. I'm glad to have you back in my life. So, oh. you, so you've been resurrected and received a wonderful gift today. Yes. This is great. This and great. I get to talk about two excellent movies. <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's true. Um, so... On to Summer Movie Wager updates. So, uh, we skipped last week, obviously, but this past weekend, Ninja Turtles took number one again for the second weekend, uh, and it made $28.5 million domestically, followed by Guardians in second place for the second weekend at $25.1 million, and then Let's Be Cops debuted at number three domestically with $17.8 million. In terms of our top ten, Transformers plugs along with one billion... $54 $54 million, $54.5 million. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past is number two with $744.1 million. Maleficent is number three with $743.8 million. 
The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is at $708.3 million. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and How to Train Your Dragon 2 are tied for 5th and 6th with $539.0 million. I probably could have gone more places on that and actually... Well, it's Which one? Enough. But it, th- that'll change by the time we're done anyway. Uh, Godzilla's number 7 with $507.5 million. Guardians of the Galaxy makes its debut on our list at number 8 with $421.9 million. Also on track to make more money than Transformers did domestically. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So at least we can have some faith in America. <laughs> right. <laughs> the rest of the world is screwed, but... Yeah. Number nine is that uh, that uh, that hit movie, Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. <laughs> which, by which I mean Edge of Tomorrow, which... Uh, Paramount? I think it was it, Paramount. Was it Paramount or Warner Brothers? Warner, whoever owns the movie. Whoever hates that movie. Mercilessly <laughs> just wiped it from existence. <laughs> Uh, Edge of Tomorrow's number 9 with $363.9 million, and 22 Jump Street is at number 10 with $304.1 million. This weekend, we will see the long-awaited sequel to Sin City, known as Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. There's also two other movies, If I Stay and When the Game Stands Tall. I have no clue what either of those are. I think When the Game Stands Tall is like a soccer movie about so. FIFA. The, like the organization, okay. FIFA, which is a really crooked organization, if I remember, <laughs> and they present it like it's like some dream. So but I could be wrong. I could be mixing it up with another FIFA. Movie. I, I, you yeah. know, I don't know. The other one's a teeny bopper romantic uh, drama movie with Hit Girl from Kickass. Okay, I'll let you guys know how that one is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not planning on it. I'm cheering for Maleficent, by the way. I just want to put that. Hey, out. you know. I wonder, I wonder, let's see how far down the list uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles actually is at this point. Okay. Can't be too far down. So, 22 Jump Street was number 10. Fault in Our Stars would be number 11. Neighbors would be 12. Teenage Mutant, num- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is number 13 with a $188.1 million. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up at number 10. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, you know, we got we got a whole another month and a half, and I don't know where else it's coming out that it hasn't been. So, right, we'll see, we'll see. All right, um, on to film news. There's really only one thing to talk about. We all are here with heavy hearts. Uh, Robin Williams passed away uh, last week on uh, on Monday, and um, I, it's this is honestly probably one of the the. Bigger hits that I've felt, especially since we started the podcast. Paul Walker was pretty big, too. But both of these are, like, you know, tragic. Like, even Robin Williams might have been a little bit older, but still not something that any of us saw coming or ever wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just terrible, terrible news. And uh, I think we just kind of wanted to go through and talk about uh, some of our favorite Robin Williams movies and performances just as kind of uh, to, to honor him and his legacy. Uh, Tim. You want me to start? Okay. Yeah. yeah um, I grew up watching uh, a lot of HBO when I was a kid, okay. which is kind of weird, probably. But <laughs> That's where you get your stevias from. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I, I could only watch from like the midnight hours on. <laughs> but um, no, I just grew up watching... Um, one of the things I remember most from was the comic relief shows, which mm-hmm. were... Uh, back in mainly the 90s, the late 80s and 90s, and they were um, they were benefit comedy shows put on, just stand-up shows for, uh, I don't remember the exact charities, and they did a couple later on. And I was, I guess I would, wouldn't say, because it was him, Whoopi Goldberg, and Billy Crystal mm-hmm. were the main hosts, and the three of them, 
it was it's weird. I, I don't know if I'd call myself like a huge fan of any of their stand up comedy, but when they were together, I loved watching them together because they had such great chemistry, and I just yeah. thought it was really cool when they got together. And and um, it was just a really great idea. And I just remember watching those and and not getting half the jokes probably. But yeah, my dad found them funny. So. <laughs> But um, but another yeah, growing up, um, Mork and Mindy was another one. Was, yeah, and Mork and Mindy, like Nick at Night, throw it, it would be on there, and totally. like, my parents would be watching it. Um, I was actually a bigger fan. I was a huge fan of his more dramatic stuff and a lot of his darker stuff when he got um, as he got older. Uh, one of the movies was the uh, one of the movies I really liked. Uh, was World's Greatest Dad, which is mm-hmm. uh, a Bobcat Goldwaite uh, directed yep. movie, and it's a very dark comedy about a kid and he loses his life. And it's basically Robin Williams coming to terms with the fact that the kid was kind of an asshole. Yeah. And it's just really dark and, and mean, but in a way kind of sweet in, in some ways. And I, I, I really liked uh, – that's one of my favorite of his later era movies is more dramatic stuff. So, yeah, I mean it's a huge loss. And um, I know he suffered with depression and mm-hmm. everything, and I don't know if that's – I don't want to speculate. But it just – I mean if you're listening and you know somebody or you have depression, like get some help and – that's Absolutely. really hard to say. If anything good comes from it, maybe it's a little bit more awareness. So Yeah. No, he actually, I listened today. Uh, he was on WTF with Mark Maron. Mark Maron likes to dig pretty deep. Right. And I think that episode was from 2010 and uh, really kind of pushed WTF in a particular way and Mark Maron in a particular way. And it's kind of really the only time that I've ever heard Robin Williams talk about himself in that way. You, right. get, you get a glimpse into... To you know who he really was behind the facade, and it's a really interesting listen. Mark Maron released it again uh, in, in the podcast feed, so go listen to that one uh, mm-hmm. if you're curious. But uh, Willie, Robin Williams. Um, I, I mean, I was I've always been a huge Hook fan. Absolutely, love Hook. It's great. Rufio. Uh, it's Rufio, so good. He Dante Dante, Dante Basco. Yeah, yeah. He actually had a comment about Robin Williams passing away too. So mm-hmm. I was like, yes, Rufio. Like, yeah. It made me happy. Anyway, um, that's that's a great movie, and it, it still holds up today. Kind of captures the the magic of a fairy tale movie, you know, mm-hmm. that whole, the idea of a fairy tale. And, Absolutely. And, uh, I think it's one of Spielberg's best, probably. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, it's kind of a fun. It's a fun twist on Peter Pan too. It is, and it's it kind of skirts the line between being a kids movie and being a movie for adults, mm-hmm. but it, in very smart ways. You know, it never. It never flips the middle finger at anybody or anything, nothing like that. But there, there's a, there are very adult themes at play, and you know, um, he's. I mean, Robin Williams is great in it because he gets to show a lot of range. Absolutely. You know, he kind of bounces between fun-loving, mischievous, you know, kind of what you're used to with a lot of the Robin Williams performances, um, comedic with the Peter Pan stuff, and then when he's Peter Banning, he's kind of straight laced and straight laced and kind of a dick, you know. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a really good performance and, and a very cool movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I also, in tune with what Tim said with the dramatic stuff, I think that's there's a lot of stuff there that people haven't seen. And World's Greatest Dad is definitely one of those. Um, another one I think that people should see is it's called The Final Cut, mm. and it's kind of a not too distant future really, but it's a futuristic story about. Um, I don't want to say too much, but the, the, the basic premise is that you have the ability to get uh, like basically a movie of your life made of your life po- once. Yeah, yeah. Once, once you pass, once you passed away, yeah. right? And he's a guy who edits these stories together, 
And um, it's a very cool movie. It's kind of a cool thriller. I always wanted to see that movie. Very underrated. He's got a very... It's a very good performance from him. Um, It's cool. It's a very cool movie. So the final cut's definitely worth checking out. A little bit later on in his career, and I think there are some hidden gems in there that people should see. It's not just all old dogs, okay? Yeah, there are old dogs in RV. You know, not not no, it's not like entertaining in some. No, and he was always a family entertainer. Totally. I mean, you know, obviously he was mostly successful in the '90s when it came to that stuff. But I mean, there's there's a place for all that stuff. Yeah, and. you know, I, I don't think he was ever anything where he was bad, though. I mean, that's no. I mean, like Robin Williams is always entertaining. Like yeah. if if anything fails, it's everything around him. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's the stuff around him that's yeah. failing, not him. So yeah, no, those are those are a couple that I think you should check out. And then of course, one hour photo and insomnia. If you're looking for something different from him, uh, either one of those. They came out around the same similar time frame, and I think he was kind of trying to branch out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. revitalize his career a bit and. and do something different, and uh, they're both they're both cool movies, and they're both really good performances. So check those out too. All right, I uh, by far my favorite Disney movie is Aladdin. Um, the, you know, Disney animated movie. Let's not get too crazy. Tron Legacy. <laughs> um, um, but a big part of my love for Aladdin is absolutely Genie. Like Genie is. One of my favorite characters yeah. in any in, in, in like any movie ever, basically. But there's just the the I, I was watching Aladdin again this weekend because Disney Channel was playing it, and just the it was really one of the fir- it was the first time that you see the actor come through in the animation because before that, like the dude who plays Aladdin, his name is Scott Winger, and he like writes sitcoms now. Right. Well, he was uh, he was on Full House. Yeah, he, 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 he was on Full House. Like, so that's the thing. Like, yeah. the, the the people in these animated movies, like I don't know who voiced like Snow White. No, yeah, this that, there weren't celebrity voice actors at that point until like Robin Williams was Genie, and and just like the whole credence that he lent to the idea of doing voice work is something that I think is substantial and left a mark on on. Uh, on the movie industry, the animation industry in total, because nowadays it's all about oh, Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel are voicing right. Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, like that's it's about getting the name behind your animated movie. Because mm-hmm. then you know, like the parents will probably be like, oh yeah, I want to see that because I know the person doing the voice, and then the kids are like, oh, these are good act. Like the kids will get into it because the acting is good. I so have, yeah, for sure. It's it's. Uh, it's one of those. It's one of those few. I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. it's one of the few like that one. The two that popped to my mind in their comedians because they're both big cartoons are him and that, and then like Eddie Murphy as the donkey and Shrek because oh. it's so perfect. Like it's a perfect marriage because they're cartoon characters anyway when Absolutely. they're at their best. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's you know, I, Aladdin and Genie is amazing. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. That's. If I see Mrs. Doubtfire anywhere at any point in the movie on TV, I basically drop everything and watch it. Yeah. And sometimes I might watch it again if they replay it immediately after, because that movie is just that good. It's insanely good. It is. And um, just the heart in those movies, like, this is, this makes me think, like, we get things like old dogs and, 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 uh, and RV and whatever nowadays. We don't get those really, like... You know, movies with like family movies with heart. It's all about like what franchise can we do and blah blah. blah. Like we, we've really lost that genre of just like family comedy movies. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But 
Uh, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire, absolutely so amazing. Good. Robin Williams is just one of those. He's there's nobody like Robin Williams. He's got the his, his like mental acuity and just the speed with which he can dispense like immediately leap into and out of a character for just yeah. like at a second's notice. And it's it's a it's a real shame that that he's passed away. And you know, I not much more to say. Yeah, no, it's very sad. I I, I, I will say this. I always wanted to see his. Uh, Batman villain that he was promised. Yeah, oh, was man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I think it was originally in the Joker and then they told him that he could get the red later, later down on the line right. or whatever. I don't know. I would always would have liked to have seen that. During that era of the Batman movies, it would have been a lot of fun to oh, see. The, the Burton era? Or, yeah, the Burton era. You know he probably would have been pretty good in the... Even the, Schumacher. Like, the Forever, too. I think yeah. that was the main one he was... Yeah, yeah originally he was... I, this is totally off... Well, not totally off topic, but no. he was originally set to play... What happened was that the studio went to Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson said, there's no way I'm doing that movie. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, I'm not doing a Batman movie. And then they went to Robin Williams. Well, it turns out he who accepted. And then it just turns out they went to Robin Williams because they wanted to gain an interest from Jack Nicholson. So then they gave it to Jack, and then they're like, well, we promise you, Robin, we're going to give you a role in one of these movies down the line. Because he's a big, he was a big comic book fan, and yeah. he liked stuff like that. So, And I, from what I understand, they promised him the Riddler... Later down the line, and then Jim Carrey was all the hotness at the point when that movie was coming out. So like, yeah, Jim Carrey's. Movie. So I would have liked to have seen that work out for him. Totally. I watched. I watched. You know, him play the Mad Hatter in a, a Batman movie. Oh yeah, he would have been so perfect for those movies because they they were more geared towards the TV show. Yeah, and he's yeah. perfect for that. I mean, yeah, and he would have been able to, knowing knowing how dramatic he could get later on in his career. He, he wasn't able to tap that. At, well, he tapped it a bit in the beginning, but. Like, to be able to balance those two things, I think he would have even better done, done an even better job than Jim Carrey did. Yeah. Because um, Jim Carrey wasn't able to kind of find that that Jim Carrey was just straight up cartoon. Character. He was bonkers. <laughs> Which you know, you know, in that in that era of Batman movies, probably that it made sense. That's yeah. the best serving that you could do there. Right. But, but it's one of those things that I always wish we could have seen. Right. Totally. That I I'm sure he wishes he could have been a part of. So you know, I would, all I want to throw out a couple older movies too. Okay. The, um, just if you haven't seen them, because. I don't know. Um, Awakenings and uh, Death Boat oh, yeah. Society are two that I really like. And then Good Will Hunting. Everybody's seen Good Will Hunting, totally. right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you like, should see it. Everybody, but he's amazing in Good Will Hunting. Yeah. And I really love Good Will Hunting, so. Totally. Uh, the Birdcage. See the Birdcage. Oh, he's really good at the Birdcage, too. Um, yeah. The Birdcage. Did you say Dead Poets Society? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the Birdcage is one of those movies that I, like... <laughs> Probably up until now, I've been too young to like actually understand <laughs> anything of what's going on. So I'm kind of excited to sit down and watch it's that one. It's hysterical. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's just him and Nathan Lane are crazy good. Okay. Um, and then I, well, I will say this, Patch Adams. We talked about this before. Totally. Oh, yeah. Very totally. sad, though, now. It's going to be hard to watch that movie after this yeah. year because we lost like two... I don't think I've ever seen You know what? And I, I also want to say this, you know... This man deserves this amount of time on a pod. We could do a whole episode with, like, I, I honestly was thinking we should do just a Robin Williams retrospective, but we're we so, could do it at some point. We're so good at not doing bonus episodes <laughs> that. Um, it's all my fault. Uh, the I I have a fondness in my heart, and I don't really know why because I you know I can't even like fully remember the movie, but I always had an amount of intrigue for what dreams may come. Mm. Okay, and I feel like that one would probably be pretty not difficult to watch. It? I have seen it. Okay, I have seen it, but I I think it would be it, it would be an interesting watch, especially now you know seeing what's happened and and also you know just. The themes within it, I think, are something that probably resonated with him deeply. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's a cool movie. Totally, totally. 
based on a Richard Matheson uh, story. So, yeah. All right, Robin Williams, rest in peace. All right, as as Tim said, uh, uh, if you feel that you are depressed or you're anywhere near any of that realm of things, you should absolutely get some help. Um, yeah. You know, we'd rather we'd rather have you here than not have you here. Right. So, absolutely. Um, so, I think we are going to head straight into our review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2014. Sorry, Robin Williams. I wish it was a better movie. <laughs> um, this movie was directed by Jonathan Liebsman. Um, and it stars such a weird, convoluted cast that I'm probably not going to try. But Megan Fox, Will Arnett... William Fickner. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Comic release. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, to tie it all in. Yeah. Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville voices Leonardo, but yep. does not do the motion capture. Um, you know? Tony Shalhoub voices Splinter. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's about all we need to really say. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the synopsis in IMDb says a group of mutated warriors face off against an evil kingpin who wants to take over New York. Okay. Um, we're not going to try and tiptoe around spoilers because this movie's not worth seeing in the first place. <laughs> but in case you didn't want any spoilers, we'll try and be somewhat light. But like I said, don't bother. <laughs> Willie, as the biggest TMNT fan here, how did you feel about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? You know, going. I mean, I think that I, it's pretty well documented on the podcast how I felt going into it and, and that I was... You know, I was bouncing between I'm not going and seeing this to fine, I guess I'll put myself through it. Um, it's not that bad. It's not, but it's not good at all either. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's actually, it, I would have been, it sounds very strange, but I would have been happier walking out of it like a complete utter train wreck. Because at least I would know that there would be no sequel. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's a very fair point. I'll hope that there would be no sequel. We've, the movie got... It, it's been greenlit for a sequel, we already know. It's obviously doing well in the box yeah. office, as I said. But, you know, it's... Well enough, anyway. To me, you know, for, for me this... I mean, obviously, you can you can look at the bare essentials of what the Ninja Turtles are, and it's it's pretty straightforward. You know, I mean, Donatello's the nerdy guy, and Raphael's the tough guy, and so on and so forth. They all have very clear characteristics that... They're, if you, if you most people that know anything about Ninja Turtles know those base yeah. characteristics about the turtles. This one does not go any further than that to examine anything about these characters. I don't even think it gives you the time to really learn that. No. Um, I mean, they, they beat you over the head with it a little bit. They beat you over the head with Donnie. Really? Well, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, the guy's got so much junk attached to him that he's clearly the nerdy one. And he's then, got, he's got know, the taped glasses. But, uh, but it's, so. it's, it's just not... <laughs> It's I don't know they don't do anything to do that they don't do really there's one or two moments in the movie maybe where I felt like okay we they they're showing that these these characters are brothers and they actually care about each other it's more than just their, there's one really really good movie. yeah and I'll let you mention that but oh no you go ahead well there's a beatboxing scene where they are in the elevator and then they start rapping yeah together. and that was that was fun that felt like it's the, the only moment. time they yeah felt like brothers and yeah and and, and, and it's a problem for me when they have one scene with Splinter. The Ninja Turtles have one scene with Splinter in this movie, where it's all four of them and Splinter, and that's not good. That's a problem. Also, this movie reeks of, totally reeks of last minute either reshoots or rewrites of that script. And every single rewrite or reshoot feels, or at least the changes, 
going by what the filmmakers were saying leading into the movie versus what is on screen now in the finished product, those changes are all to pander to the audience that was complaining about everything. Totally. You know, we don't want them to be from space. I agree, totally, but they changed it. We don't want Bill Fickner to be our shredder. They changed it. We don't... I mean, seriously, I have little to zero doubt in my mind that the scenes where you see Splinter of the Turtles fighting Shredder, that was originally supposed to be Bill Fickner in that suit. Interesting. And that anything with, with the... With, I don't even think they say Rokusaki's name in this movie, but anything with, with the real Shredder yeah. was totally added last minute. And, I mean, Bill Fickner said he was the Shredder in interviews. Why would he say that? <laughs> that not, that's not going to get you good press from the nerds. No. So, there's some stuff going on there. And, and to me, it's... Maybe just because I kind of followed some of the, the craziness of this production, but it bugged me in the movie. And I think that's because they set up Bill Fickner to be this villain, and I, I was actually okay with Bill Fickner being the villain. I didn't want him to be Shredder, but I was okay with him being the villain. And then it was like, no, it's this really bland, boring version of Shredder that has zero backstory yeah. in relation to Splinter or the Turtles. Uh, yeah. That's a problem. I almost would have I mean, preferred it if they just went with Fichter and Shredder during the actual movie itself. I mean, I know it would have I wouldn't have, but at it least it would have made sense in the movie. It would have been better than having this weird shoehorned in Japanese guy that it doesn't make sense. But that, you know what, that coherence is all throughout the movie. That, that, that complete incoherence with like <laughs> For some reason, Splinter's older than the turtles, even though they're like, like, what? okay. And then they, he picks up a book to learn. That, that and that bugs me too. That's it's, it's I, disgusting. <laughs> that, that stuff, that stuff really bugs me because it's it literally. There's there is nothing. There's no passing of anything from father to son. There's no father son relationship. No. In this. The ones I mean, it's hor- It's not good. That, that stuff they they. The, the action scenes and the CG, for the most part, are, are solid. They're passable, yeah. Um, you know, anytime the turtles are on screen doing stuff that reminds me of Ninja Turtles, like the four turtles fighting Shredder, okay, do I wish it would have taken place during, like, at night? Yeah, because it's weird to have them in broad daylight fighting on the roof. I don't know if that bugged you guys, but it was weird to me. Like, yeah, there was a lot. There was no now, now, that, now, that, now that you say it, 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 was, yeah. it was weird. Um, or, or, you know, Shredder and Splinter fighting. Anytime it feels like the, the turtles that I know or just from a visual level, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. But then they open their mouths or they, and they just, we're, I think, I feel like, I thought we were past this. Yeah. With turtle stuff. And I thought that, I mean, the, the 2003, and I don't want to compare this too much to other turtle stuff, but the 2003 cartoon was very, very cool for its time because it was kind of, they did a good job of making it accessible for kids, but but are you talking about the movie or the the series? 2003 uh, cart the the series? Okay, okay. Well, and the movie even had some no. Moments. The movie's way better. There, there are moments. There are moments in some of the the, the more recent turtle uh, iterations that go beyond just eat pizza, dude. Like like <laughs> I thought we were past that. Yeah, and we're clearly not, and that bums me out. Like. These kids are smart. They don't need to be pandered to. Like, I don't think. I mean, I, I sat there for a minute listening to, like, kids in the theater laugh, and I wondered, like, maybe I'm just a grouchy old man. Maybe I'm the guy that George Lucas was talking to, and he's like, no, I made these this, these movies for kids, and you're just a curmudgeonly bitch. Like, stop it. No. But, you know, then I thought about it, and I'm like, no, because I saw the Lego movie earlier this year, and that's a fully animated movie that's even more geared towards children. And I walked away actually feeling something. Yeah. So I don't think that it's just me being no. grumpy. 
I, and to me, honestly, any parents who are thinking about going and seeing this with their kids, just rent the first one. It's better. Yeah, and I, the, honestly, you know, the CG's great and all. The animated movie. Yeah. The CG's great and all, but nothing's ever going to beat that Stan Winston animatronic suit. Like, those are so good. Yeah, They're they ridiculously good. good. They still look good. Like, I would have rather seen them, like, dig those out of the crawl space that they're in and just use those because... It, it would have. I feel like it, they at least would have like emoted, to, emoted more, and like been kept, which is ridiculous because they're actually like physically differentiated in this one, and those ones weren't at all. They just have like maybe Mikey's got like a little bit lighter skin tone in that one yeah. for some reason, and like, yeah. but I don't. Anyway, no, but it's it's true. It's that that that's a that's a legitimate problem when nineteen nine technology from nineteen ninety does a better job of bringing these characters to life than the most cutting-edge motion capture technology. This is the same stuff they use on, on apes. Yeah. yeah, and I don't, that's why I don't, I don't think it's so much the technology as just the work they put. The work that people put into apes, they, they give the actual characters a personality. Yeah. This one, yeah. they just kind of use the cookie cutter yeah. of what the turtles are, and it's, it's just weird yeah. Yeah, and bad. Yeah, so. it's, I don't know. There's not enough going on there. No. So I, I can't recommend this. Um, it's not horrifically offensive, and, and in all honesty, if your kid really wants to go see it, go ahead and take him to go see it. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I'm happy that kids still like turtles. That makes me happy. I don't feel quite as old for some reason because of that. Like, I feel like I'm still kind of cool. Um, so, I don't know. It's it exists. I say skip it, but if your kid really is bugging you, it's fine. Go ahead and take it to him. Do do this and not Transformers. This is better than Transformers. Absolutely, yeah. Tim. How'd you feel about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2014? I saw it with Willie, and I saw it before... We actually saw it before Guardians. Mm. And I remember thinking... I walked out and going, eh, it was, whatever, it wasn't that bad. And I think I was, like, defending it. And then I watched Guardians, and I'm like, no, Ninja Turtles was awful. Because, <laughs> like, this movie sucks. It's not good. Um, and Guardians made me see that, because you can still... Okay, you can still... Guardians still kind of aims towards kids. Kids can go see Guardians mm-hmm. and not be... Yeah. Insulted, and it respects the source material too in a way that this doesn't. This is just a total money grab. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's it's the. There are a couple reasons this sucks. A couple main reasons this sucks for me. Um, it's a total money grab, and it's mainly it's gross. This is like it's the Michael Bay stuff that bothers me. On this. Yeah, it's, he produced it, and Michael Bay shouldn't be allowed near kids' movies. He should be doing Bad Boys Two and Pain and Game movies yeah. just for <laughs> disgusting should. old people like me and. <laughs> Older people, I'm not that old. Hey, uh, you know, first scene, let's put April O'Neil on a trampoline. Well, that's this is what it's like. Boom. I this was like one of my complaints. Here's ten million dollars to make it happen. April O'Neil was never like a. April O'Neil was a decent female character, and like she Absolutely. would she would do stuff, and she would at least attempt to do stuff. I mean, she couldn't hold her own in a fight or anything. Megan Fox isn't that bad in this movie, um, but the way they use her in this movie is so gross. Like, the whole time, it's just them talking about how hot she is, and then they point the camera d- directly at her butt, and they're like... Yeah, you know, <laughs> that, like, that was one of the few scenes that actually got me to laugh, just because of Will Arnett's reaction. What are you doing? Oh, doing what you're doing. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong, it's funny. Yeah. But I'm sitting here going, like, this is, this is gross. No, it's You're undercutting, and the problem is, like, they try at first to give her an arc of her trying to be, like, a serious reporter, mm-hmm. and even when they try to give her stuff to do, you're undercutting it by all these gross things. They're like, yeah. great example for the youth of America, yeah. Mikey. And then, <laughs> well, that was another thing. The other reason it's gross, Michelangelo makes a boner joke early in this movie. 
And he goes, okay. He, they, first time they see okay, him. Can you do it in a Stallone voice, please? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> no, I won't do it, Justin. You have to do that. But the first time they see April is on the rooftop. And he, he goes, he whispers, he goes, She's so hot, my shell is tightening. Oh. And I remember sitting there going, like, gross. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're, disgusting. There's no charm in that. You guys no. ever seen a turtle penis? It, <laughs> I have. It takes. It, like, it's terrifying. I sat there going, like, these are the, Mikey's a perv, and, like, not in a, like, in a creepy way. Right. Now, not like a cute, kind of goofy. He was kind of cuter at the end when he was singing to her. And, like, I went, oh, that's cute. And then I remember him boner joke earlier in the movie. And I was like, gross. Yeah. So, here's the main reason this movie sucks, though. Is. Halfway through, I sat next to, like, a 10-year-old kid, and, like, he was kind of my test for this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think halfway through, both him and I were just sitting there going, like, where are the turtles in this? (laughs) Like, why do I care about anybody else? I've got William Fickner babbling on about stuff I don't care about, and I just want to see the turtles. All the profits I'm going to (laughs) make when I sell this cure. Oh, I can't. Well, yeah. Also, I'm sorry. I just, I totally forgot about this. His plan, look... It's Ninja Turtles. I can forgive certain things. The plan doesn't have to be amazing and intricate. But at a base level, it doesn't make sense. He's going to put stuff on the top of his own building and then release it. Like, no one's going to notice the source of the gas. Then he's going to show and go, I'll save you. Like, no one's going to question that. I'm sorry. It's the dumbest. No, you're not. The dumbest. Hey, hey, you know what? It's not the first time we've seen that plan. Do you remember where else it is? No. The Amazing Spider-Man. That's true. That's true. I'm going to release it on top of my own building. <laughs> like, no one will go, oh, gee, that must be where it's coming from. Like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I think I was done. Like I said, I think I wanted to touch up the uh, the point with the kids laugh. The kids laugh because every once in a while the turtles say something funny because they're kind of funny in the movie. But I don't think the kid next to me enjoyed it that much. I think he was super bored like I was. No, totally. Yeah. I, was, I went to a matinee and, and there were a fair amount of kids there. I didn't hear one kid laugh at anything. No. You know what? In fact, I heard I heard the kid's dad to my right start snoring like seven times. It was it was kind of boring. This this, this movie. Yawn. I'm yawning right now. This this movie is it, it sucks. It's not good. There's nothing nothing good about it, which is complete crap because. I, I wish Nick was here that he, so that he could talk about this, or Gojo, because both of them have watched the current cartoon. Okay. And they both agree that it's actually good. Like, it's a good cartoon, and it's well done. Honestly, if you want some turtles in your life, go to any other previous incarnation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you'll get something Maybe not more. the live-action one from, like, the late 90s. No, don't do, don't do, don't do <laughs> Next Mutation. Yeah, don't, but, yeah. but, no, seriously, read the IDW comics. Because totally. they are so good. Like, I'm, I'm not... Blowing smoke up your ass. But even if you're really not, good. even if you're not like a comic person, seriously, go to the cartoon that's on right now. Go to the last animated movie. Go to the cartoon that was on in 2003. Go back to the live, the first two live action movies. It's they're all miles above everything that this movie tries to be. You don't you don't spend any time with these characters who are well defined. It's which is dumb. The movie's an hour and 46 minutes, and I feel like if it was longer, it would almost be better, but I don't want to sit through any more no. of that movie. Like, and like we've already said, like, there's no connection between Shredder and, 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 uh, and, and Splinter and the Turtles. Okay. You hired Danny Woodburn to, be, to do the motion capture for Splinter, and then the one scene where Megan Fox looks him in the face, her eye levels are wrong? <laughs> 
What did you pay him for? <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed that. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Why? I'm so glad you noticed that. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I was just... I, I was listening to the Slash Filmcast. They were talking about how great, like, some of the CG is in, like, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and how they don't look... They don't even think about eye levels anymore. This movie had it so bad that I was like, look at how terrible... She's not... She's, like... She's doing the thousand-yard stare straight through friggin' Splinter. And they had an actor there to play him. Yeah. What? Yeah, that's a problem. Anyway. I didn't notice that, but that's funny. I, now I'm going to rewatch it just to see that. It was, it, it, honestly, it's the one scene where they're face to face and it's terrible. <laughs> that's anyway, that's funny. don't go see this movie. Don't give it any more money than it already has. It's not worth going to. Um, even if your kid wants to see it, just sit him down and make him watch the one from 1990. <laughs> you know, in, in all honesty, a sequel to this movie could technically go either way. Like, they, I, I, I feel like they could steer the ship in a better direction. I, I don't think they will. If it's a total shakeup and Michael Bay is just like sure put my name on it, then I think we could be okay. Like I like this is not unsalvageable. It's not. No. I mean we could do some cool stuff with it, but we'll see. I, I feel like they just need to embrace the hilarity of like the Fred Wolf cartoons, like the nineties cartoons, the eighties yeah. ones. Like if they did that, I'd be like, okay, fine, whatever, I don't care anymore. Like if they just threw like Krang and like uh, yeah. Villain of the Week stuff there, like if they just threw random mutant, like I'd watch that. Mm-hmm. But and, and I I'll absolutely say I think the action in this movie was more entertaining than Transformers. Like, honestly, there were there was a point where yeah. I was like, this fighting here is actually cool, which is not something that I said at any point in Transformers. Well, I can tell what's happening in this movie. Absolutely. So. And and just, you know... It's, I didn't see Transformers before still. I mean, I'll go check it out. Don't. We get, I get the recommendation. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Anyway, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with our thoughts on Expendables 3. But, yeah, don't... Another episode, another Transformers day. <laughs> yep, yep. It, it hasn't ended yet. We're going to need to get a streak calculus. Somebody's going to have to tell us when we break the streak. Yeah. Write in feedback at hugosfilmers.com. Anyway, we'll be right back. Alright, we're back with our full review of The Expendables 3, which was directed by Patrick Hughes. The IMDb synopsis says, Barney augments his team with new blood for a personal battle to take down Conrad Stonebanks, the Expendables co-founder and notorious arms trader who is hell-bent on wiping out Barney and every single one of his associates. This movie, oh. this movie stars uh, Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Harrison Ford, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mel Gibson, Wesley Snipes, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, Terry Crews, Kelsey Grammer, Antonio Banderas, and more. Um, so if you want to you know our thoughts on the previous Expendables films, go back to episode two, first oh. appearance of Tim Long. Oh, attack of a... Long. I'm gonna make a of a clothes joke. The first appearance of the Van, da- Van Damsel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As, 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 the, where you first gained that uh, that that uh, that title. Uh, but uh, we can just get right along with our thoughts on Expendables Three. So Tim. Yeah. As Expendables super a super fan, <laughs> how did you feel about it's, Expendables Three? It's so funny because I love the idea of the Expendables movies, and then I watch them, and I'm just like, ugh. Like, this is my favorite one, my fuck. Because this is the first one that I will rewatch while really drunk. <laughs> and I saw this sober, which was shocking. Because <laughs> I think I... But let me tell you... Let me tell you why this movie doesn't suck. 
Okay. This is. I'm please convinced. Me. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not gonna be much. Um, <laughs> this is the most to load of them to me. It, first of all, it does actually, I think, have the best action from what I remember of the three, and it's still not very good. But those, which is weird. Yeah, but the action is at least the first. The action, the first film, which is shot by someone, is terrible. If I remember, mm. like there might be one good scene. I don't remember anything from the second movie right now, other than John Claude. Um, but this one is at least clear most of the time, and then there's a dirt bike part that reminded me of the game Trials, <laughs> where someone just flies up on a dirt bike, and it's not as cool as I think they thought it was going to be, but it was still cool enough. And, oh, I should say, we're not going to totally avoid spoilers, but oh, if there's sorry. anything big, there's no spoilers. There's, there's no anything. spoilers. Nobody yeah, dies whatever. in this movie because nothing's actually expendable. Never mind. <laughs> um, but no, this is, I think this is the most alone of them because... It has those classic Stallone moments of like where Barney Ross's character makes a joke and everybody laughs at screen and then everybody in the audience just kind of like chuckles like confused like is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> like I, like there are some of them that he made, like there's the Christmas one where he's like the Christmas came in July I don't want to do I don't want to step on Alex's joke but they make a Christmas in July joke and everybody's like and he laughs at it yeah. <laughs> and everybody else is like high fiving and it's like is that a joke? Um, what else do I love about this movie? Um, unlike the other ones, this one has a great, does a great job of, I was, I wasn't bored during it because every 10 minutes someone would show up and make me laugh, like an older (laughs) man would show up and like, like Wesley Snipes, it was nice to see Wesley again, he's good in this, I didn't think he, he wasn't my favorite, but he has a catchphrase in this called Jang-a-Lang, he goes, (laughs) Jang-a-Lang, stupid, another great Stallone moment. Um, Mel Gibson Oh my god! I wish he wasn't such a monster in real life because I miss him <laughs> on the screen because he's he's saddled with some terrible exposition in this movie and he delivers it. He's a great villain. Maybe it is because he's such a villain. And <laughs> he's such a villain. But he's so funny at this. Like I missed him. I, I, I was I was I was a little disappointed with the with his screen time. I wish there was a little more. He I, he was my fa- like my legit favorite part of the movie. Uh, Harrison Ford is at this, and I got and um, good yeah. for him. He got paid, but he delivers baby. <laughs> but, he, but he never got off the phone. <laughs> he delivers. <laughs> he just phoned it right in. <laughs> he drives it with a helicopter, like it's his Han Solo moment at the end of this movie. He rides it on a helicopter, and he says a line in this that I could tell Stallone was really excited about when he wrote it. He goes, and I can just like you can hear him gritting his teeth and just the disdain in his voice when Harrison Ford he goes. Drummers in the house. <laughs> Drummers in the house. And like he's so defeated saying it. I was just laughing. I laughed so hard. <laughs> oh, um, just a couple more things real quick that I really loved about this movie. Um, Randy Couture. Willie does not love Randy Couture. I can tell. He's in this movie. This man is, he's an idiot. I mean, he's an obvious idiot. So, and I don't care if he hears this because he can't hear it because he has giant cauliflower ears. So he's not listening anyway. <laughs> Um, but he's really stupid and like he's kind of charming in this because he's so dumb. I'm like, look at this dumb guy they're giving a bunch of money to not act. <laughs> he doesn't even do any action scenes really. So good for him, I'm happy he's found. But my favorite part of this movie is the new expendable suck, by the way. Uh, oh, I, I kinda like I kinda like the tech guy, he was alright. Ronda Rousey, who's the female, um, she leads to some funny parts because she just goes, ugh, men all the time. <laughs> Um, what's the other the guy with the beard who Kellen Lutz I don't know if you guys know he was a bit too tan <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught this but he has a problem with authority <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like 
15 times in this movie. Kelsey Grammer, he's got a problem with authority. And then he never... Stallone, hey, I hear you got a problem with authority. <laughs> and then he never... Really... Lutz, hey, I have a problem with authority. <laughs> and then he never really has a problem with authority. <laughs> Throughout the whole movie. No. He just wants to see some paperwork. <laughs> Solved. Problem with authority to Kelsey Grammer and Stallone is just that you want to know why you're doing yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, you want to know why you're trying to kill the guy you're trying to kill. But, okay, but the, he, my favorite part of the movie was, because this is another classic Stallone, he goes, he meets up with Kelsey Grammer, and there's a montage of them recruiting the young Expendables, and it's this weird Sylvester Stallone dumb jacket fashion show. Oh my god. He wears some of the worst clothes, and they change clothes in every scene, and him and Kelsey Grammer are like, you can tell they're really enjoying just dressing up, and like... It's, I think they go to Montana or Wyoming. I'm sorry if we have listeners there that I've confused your two states. <laughs> but adopt this jacket as your flag because then I will remember. <laughs> because he wears the worst jacket I've ever seen. Yeah, in this. And I, I know he's a fashionista, but I know when he shouldn't be wearing this jacket. And I think he wears a hat. He wears a dumb hat in this. Um, so A plus to that part. <laughs> a plus to Arnold for showing up and just oh, screwing around with his friends because I—that's exactly why he's there. And, uh, and he does—he does. It has been mentioned he has played a he, him and Jet Li are a gay couple in this. They're an elderly. They might be late in life gay because I know um, Jet Li has a daughter in the first one because he never shuts up about getting his money. But <laughs> but, uh, but they are—they are definitely a gay couple. And it's kind of sweet. I like it. It's beautiful. It is nice. It's nice in a big like manly bro fest movie. For this to happen, yeah, there's, they don't even like make. Like, they don't even make a deal, right? Yeah, it's not at the expense of the fact that they're just a gay couple <laughs> in, in the Expendables, which is wonderful. And they seem very much in love. They Absolutely. do. They so, do. like it's one of the. Like, I hope I can find the love that they have <laughs> at some point in my life because. And I love because Arnie's in like this Hawaiian shirt, sipping like a cocktail. Yeah, kind of like, a, kind of like, a, like, a, like a he's sipping like a Sex on the Beach or something. Right. right. And, and Jet, Jet's just kind of standing in his little shirt, like buttoned down. They're just adorable. They are really cute. So they're really adorable. There you go. Um, really, also adorable. Story. Antonio Banderas. Oh my god, I forgot. What a renaissance, boys. Uh, this, uh, uh, he's so good. He's, I mean, he's obvious action star because of his roles as uh, Puss in Boots and the Nason XP. Yeah, so he, because I remember <laughs> so many action movies. No, you know, my, my thing with I was actually I was kind of scratching my head for a second with Antonio. Then I'm like, well, he did assassins with. With Stallone, yeah, and Desperado, and the Zorro movies. Okay, so okay. he's he's close enough. Right. Um, probably closer actually than even like Harrison Ford is. Well, no, oh. Harrison Ford is. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so closer <laughs> than Randy Couture is. Um, <laughs> punching somebody in a ring is not being in an action movie, dummy. Um, <laughs> so you know, Stallone just needed to fill out the roster. Yeah, uh, call up his old friends. No, we got an Assassins reunion and a Demolition Man reunion. Right. Um, so that was good. I was really hoping that at some point Wesley was going to say Simon Says, but this movie was so riddled <laughs> with like nods to real things, like mm-hmm. other exist. Like it might not have been as bad as Expendables Two, with like straight up just stealing lines from like their older movies, but they do a lot of like. I mean, they nod to the tax evasion Wesley Snipes thing. Oh my god, <laughs> which it was is amazing, which is hilarious to me. And they nod to uh, to the fact that Bruce Willis isn't in. Like, they literally say he's not in the picture anymore. Yeah. I'm just hysterical to me. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't, literally just didn't say, like, oh, he wanted $3 million for to be in this movie, and we didn't. Like, I, I can't believe this was just, like... <laughs> he just gets out and starts blasting people. Blasting uh, people. Just put him on blast. I don't know. His um, was just like, yeah, church wanted a raise. <laughs> I couldn't give it to him. That's, that's what I was hoping. Like, church got greedy, you know? <laughs> and the in the house. 
house. Yeah, we used to have we used to own Planet Hollywood together, but church got greedy. <laughs> anyway, um, you know it's. I, I will say this: all the first of all, from a pacing standpoint and a storytelling standpoint, this movie is a clusterfuck. Really? Okay, I, I, mean, I thought it was better than the first two. Maybe that's because they're all clusterfucks. Well, here's the thing: is like, like this is what the first two are, are just very, very much action movies. Uh, this first one's kind of wonky, but the second one's just kind of an action movie, and okay. it kind of follows the same beats you'd expect any action movie to follow, which is exactly what I expect from these movies. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I, I actually kind of appreciated how much of a mess this was, but. Yeah. It, this is like eight mini movies thrown into one movie. <laughs> like, like the first twenty minutes is like one big action scene. Well, two big action scenes that just get smushed into one. Then it becomes this plot about how like he's recruiting these people with like, like it's a short film. Him and Kelsey Grammer is like a short film in the middle of the movie. It's like, almost like a season of Twenty Four. You know, <laughs> where like halfway through they eliminate the main threat, but now there's like a weird second plot that's yeah, going yeah, on too. Yeah, totally. No, there's a lot of weird like. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, characters just disappear for large chunks of the movie with no explanation, and then just pop back up and things like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, it was yeah, and that kind of. Bugs it's me. just all over the place with that, and, that, and it bums you out because the the older guys are so much more fun to watch than the newer guys. Mm-hmm. Like I missed Wesley Snipes so much when he was gone, and Mel Gibson should have been on more. And well, here's the thing too. I think one of my problems with the the younger guys is. That Okay, Expendables, the idea behind Expendables, and they, they, they clearly know this as filmmakers, the Expendables movie posters always just say the last name. Yep. Because that's how iconic of action stars they yeah. are. Yep. Um, even when you see Randy Couture's last name, you know it's Randy Couture for the most part. Mm-hmm. But when you put somebody like, I don't even remember, like, one of the last guys' names is like Wells or something. Yes. You know, like, what is it? Lutz. Lutz. Like, no one knows Lutz. Well, then, like, when you see Lutz out of poster, you're going to make fun of it. Yeah, yeah. What's that putts? Yeah, exactly. Like, great jokes like that. Well, but then there's, like, there's, like, there's a guy named like one of them was like Glenn Powell or something. <laughs> Powell, and I'm like, who yeah. is? Pa-? If you're going to make a younger like crew of Expendables, you have to get guys that are like up and coming action stars. None of these people. Ron Rousey, I can accept. Yeah. Um, because she fits in with the Randy Couture thing, where, like the MMA, like trying. He to- might have been better off going with a female group. SCI. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but like, like Kellen Lutz should not be the, like why? Where's Chris Hemsworth? Like, that's an up-and-coming action star. He that's somebody come back Just in to, general? He should have come back to, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert, avenge his dead brother in the, first, See? In the yeah. second one. Like, he would be cool. I mean, I'm trying to think of other people. Like, oh, you said there. Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. making a Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. I apologize no. to Chris. Chris Hemsworth. He would be... He would be, uh, would be cool. I mean, there's, there's younger guys that are doing, like, Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney I'd be down with. Yeah. Is his name that recognizable? Probably not. But at least they would see him and go, oh, hey, it's a guy from... You know Sam I mean? Worthington, they could get Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. What about my boy from Magic Mike uh, and True Blood, Joe Manchinello? James Franco. This is, they could totally get James Franco. <laughs> James Franco in there, I don't care. I, I don't know. There are younger guys they could probably get for this that are have more of a marquee value than... Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah, um, I think so. Chan Chan. Where's Chan Chan? Totally. I don't know. Anyway. Um, Ray Stevenson. So anyway, it's it's a big fat mess in terms of in terms of that. And, but uh, everybody they added to this one is pretty great. Yeah, like, all, I, I can't complain. All the, all the big name people that they added. Yeah, uh, grammar is awesome. Ford is there. Um, the Ford's funny in his own way. I want to put that out. Yeah, he, he is. He, he is. He's Ford's very... funny because he just when he, when he doesn't want to, he just doesn't act. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, Gibson is. Amazing. He's so good. Um, I mean, seriously, like, 
Oh, he's so good. Um, but I mean, my favorite was Banderas, though, for sure. Yeah. Out of the new crew, I was really thinking Wesley was going to steal a show for me, but he's a little subdued in this one. Uh, he kind of just he's one of those guys that disappears like yeah and I think that's a problem because I actually liked his character and I thought he had a weird like vibe to him. I kind of talking about yeah. I wanted to see more but. I mean, he kind of went away for a while but I don't know this is better than the first movie I, I have to watch the second one again I'm not sure if it's better than the second one or not because I mean Van Damme was a pretty funny film yeah Van Damme's pretty good Van Damme was, was quite awesome yeah he was pretty great so it's hard to say I, I I don't know I, I prefer I, yeah I prefer the dopiness to this one to the other because the other two were very kind of they their seriousness to it. it kind of, this one just the second one's less serious. Yeah, but yeah. I think this one might even have some, even have more serious. Like, well, the thing is, though, I mean, it's okay to add some some character stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and actually, like the Banderas, like Banderas and Stallone's exchange in this when they're in the woods, when he talks about it, like all his comrades, yeah. it actually kind of works. I was like, <laughs> damn, like yeah. I feel bad for this guy. Like, so it's it's doable. It's just I think a lot of the times they kind of stumble to try to make that happen. Mickey Rourke's not here making weird long soliloquies about <laughs> women, man. Lost, uh, lost loves. Where was Chris McCarpenter? What happened? I forgot she was in the movie. Was it Trouble in Paradise? Uh, I think so. Trouble in Paradise starring. I'm not gonna make Hulk Hogan. So, um, we probably won't get another Expendables movie. Um, which I guess on one hand I don't care, and on the other hand I'm kind of like I wish we'd get more because I like I want to see more Ben Darius. Yeah. And more Wesley Snipes. Like I, 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 I like kick some of those other dudes out. And then, like, that's just, that's added to Kurt Russell, and, you know. I mean, to be honest, like, how sweet would it be if Shane Black just stepped up and was like, let me write you a good script, and please get everybody to be in this. Oh, no, if Shane Black wrote Unexpendables 4, it would, it would be... How much, how excited would you be if you were, if you saw that Shane Black was attached to, like, an expendable, or, like, just somebody, anybody, in that wheelhouse? I just, God, I don't know. I mean, I, like I, it, would, it, it would remove some of the charm of just being like really crappy, like right. not crappy, but just like just being like a Stallone flick, you know. <laughs> I'm just not sure if they're if these guys aren't past the point of where that could even work because I think they've lost so much, a lot of them, and I just I'm not sure if these three movies are always going to be a better idea than actually working. To me. That's and I, true. Just, I just don't know if it's ever. I mean, it's the snakes on a plane syndrome where you come up with a good title or you come up with an idea like that and it's never going to be as good as what's in your head. And I think that's kind of what these movies are. Yeah. And, I mean, if if it was Shane Black doing, like, a movie with these guys in the 80s or 90s, oh, totally. Yeah. Probably. But I'm yeah. just not sure they, these guys got it in them anymore. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, you're probably right. That's fair. I, uh, I think I like the second one more. Okay. I don't really have a real reason why. I kind of feel like the third one was a bit of a retread. And just the idea that, oh, somebody dies or almost dies and we need to avenge them. Like, yeah. it's... it's <sighs> Whatever. Um, the new crew, really boring. Kellen Lutz, why? <laughs> Dude, I swear to God. Okay, it might have just been the fact that I was falling asleep in the third act of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I swear to God he's on that dirt bike for like ten years. Okay. Like honestly, like it keeps cutting to him in the dirt on the dirt bike while things are going on. Yeah. And he honestly like jumps on the dirt bike at the beginning of like everything going to shit, mm-hmm. and then on like towards the end of it, he finally gets off of the yeah. dirt bike. It's so strange. Yeah, it's funny. I just it, it was running around in circles the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> like it, they show him in like the tunnel. They might as well just copy and pasted the same like shot. They did it for the jump kick in uh, Expendables too. They copy and pasted. So there you go. But, uh, Do you remember that? You remember that that shot? No. Stallone falling. Oh. The shot, the shot where he gets hit. It's the same shot. <laughs> <in the cross. laughs> 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like right in a row too. Oh I'm man! Sorry. Anyway. Uh, but no, I, I just I think I had a lot more fun with the second one, even though I loved everybody that they added, except you know maybe like I I, I felt like Wesley just like wasn't quite he didn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. Like he, like Maybe. his performance is just like a little bit like he's trying too much but not trying enough at the same. I don't know how to describe it. No, I, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, and 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 like he just didn't, he didn't quite get the delivery. His deliveries didn't fit in with with everybody else's. I think he needed more time. I think he needed more practice. Like Maybe, more yeah. Time. Maybe, yeah. maybe need more rehearsal. I just want Demolition Man too. <laughs> oh God, I, uh, can you imagine? I, I almost just want it perfect as it is because it's a beautiful. No, I'd watch a sequel. <laughs> I love the first one. I'd watch a sequel, though. Yeah. It'd be funny. Retired John Spartan. And oh. it turns out that Simon Phoenix is, you know, comes he, back he, from... Maybe he trains like an apprentice. Ooh, like, I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's right, the script, right? Oh, my God. Bang it out. Jang-a-lang. D2. This movie ends with karaoke, by the way, which I like. It does. It, it does. does. And it ends with... Uh, it's a great Neil Young song. It is a great Neil Young song. I'm not completely sure if it works in the context. No. <laughs> Guys, it but does. they're the ones that are going to be the new Expendables, so never mind. Alex, do you have a dramatic reading for us today? I do have a dramatic. So all the way back, this was this is the one of one of our claims to fame, just within ourselves. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I fell in love with a with a Stallone line that I read last time because I thought it was beautiful, and 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 Willie and Tim selected one for me this time that I think rings true to the the dramatic reading. So, who knows what we're gonna? This could be our last dramatic solo reading. It's it's true. It could be. Don't talk like that. It could be. I, I hate to say it, but it could happen. All right, let me let me get into character here for a second. <clears throat> Not worried about Stallone's health. I just nothing less forever. We're, we're part of the past. We we keep this up. The only way this ends for any of us is in a hole in the ground. I know we have a shit. <laughs> Thank you. It's poetry. Yeah, oh, thank you. Why did he say that? That's, uh, that's they're in the bar. Right? Yeah, the is all expendables. Yeah, when he's <laughs> when he's when he's laying off. Like, yeah. Only with you. He's putting him out to pasture. Oh, uh, and then oh, there's a great moment after that speech. Statham is so touched by that. I just imagine if he heard you. Oh, but you he's know. so touched and frustrated that he. He's watching an infomercial, and he just gets so frustrated, he throws his knife at the TV. <laughs> he just can't take it anymore. It's an explosion. What they don't show you is, like, two minutes later, he gets on his motorcycle and goes and buys another TV. Because <laughs> he's yeah. just <laughs> Yeah. Chris McCarthy's not around anymore. <laughs> you were worth it. Shit stole me. I was worth it. That's what I was. I was worth it. Ugh. I think my favorite part of the whole movie was probably the end with them in the bar because I think it's honestly just like that was their rap party. They yeah, just yeah, pulled yeah, out I the cameras like during the rap party and it's everybody hanging out. They all look drunk. Yeah. Schwarzenegger's having someone. I'm just so happy for him right now. That's true. Yeah. yeah. He's like light. He's like. It's finally getting his time to just relax <laughs> <laughs> and just drink it in. Just drink in some life. Yeah. You know, he was a busy man throughout the 80s and 90s. Then he went into politics, and then he got into a scandal, and now he can just hang out. Yeah. He's got a movie coming out where his, he plays a, uh older man with a daughter that's a zombie. Like, a, <laughs> I swear. I think it's called Maggie? Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I... I, I it's I very... I didn't watch the trailer, but... Hmm. I would watch a spinoff with him and Jet, though. Yeah. Totally. Oh, kind of... Oh, like, like a... Uh, 
like a couple, like an espionage couple. Yeah, like like, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like globetrotting. But with the two of them. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so amazing. <laughs> a little heat, but a little, uh, yeah. yeah. And Arnold's just kicking back in a chair while Jelly does all the work. Yeah. He just jump kicks everyone. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And Arnold shows up at the end and like, shoots one guy, and he's like, <laughs> got your back, baby, you know? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Trench. Yeah, no, Mr. and Mr. Trench. That'd be great. It'd be perfect. I, I would watch that movie. Oh, Take like, like an exotic locale, you know? Like Maui or something. Really, you know. Oh, the he away. would do it too. Like he'd be so happy to go to Maui. Oh, totally. For a couple months. Yep. Let's do it. Get Jeffrey Dean Morgan as like the villain, like doing his best Javier Bardem impression. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Morgan like playing Javier Bardem. It's just copying his villain from Skyfall. <laughs> Sky Sky He's got blonde hair and can remove his teeth. Perfect. <laughs> Even a little gayer than that, though. <laughs> It'd be uh, great, guys. All right. We have two movies to write now, Tim. You guys... D two. Let's get cracking. And uh, D two. That's what we're calling it. D two. Yeah. Oh, no. The kids are gonna revolt after Mighty Ducks two. Like that's true. Uh, we'll let them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let them get through They'll realize once they see it. They'll know. They'll know. They'll know that that D two deserves D two. Can we get Sandra Bullock post Blindside though? I don't think we can do it. I think. I think we have a better chance than the um, Arnold Jetley gay glow popping movie. I think, we'll write that first. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think there's real potential. With that. Mr. Mr. Trench. Mm-hmm. All right. I think America's ready. Good. <laughs> Okay, so on that note, uh, <laughs> I don't know if any of us, like, we, uh, yeah, we recommend Expendables, you might as well. Is there anything better out? I mean, no. I'm obviously Guardian, but like, that came out last, but no, go see it. No, see, see this if before you see If you don't like it. sci-fi, go and see Expendables. <laughs> right. See this before you see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. Um, Take your kids to see it. It's probably, PG-13, it's not that bad. There's one F-bomb, just a heads up. Probably see this before uh, Sin City, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know what we're reviewing next week. <laughs> so, do you know anything? I don't You're know just thinking anything. of Mr. Mr. Trench now. Yeah, I, I'm completely. completely yeah, we're we're gonna add another five minutes to this podcast because I'm just distracted by Mr. and Mr. Trench. <laughs> um, feedback at midwestfilmers.com. Let us know what you think about anything we talked about. Uh, let us know what your favorite Robin Williams movies are and why. Let us know what you thought about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or what you thought about The Expendables 3. Any of that good stuff. Let us know if you want to hear more uh, Stallone uh, dramatic readings. Um, <laughs> maybe that's something we should just require. Maybe our 100th episode is just everybody's Stallone impression. Or like every movie, you do a quote from a movie in a Stallone As Stallone, yeah. yeah. All right. If, if it's got a really poignant yet dumb, <laughs> dumb line. If it's meant to be poignant, but it fails miserably. Then, then it's a Stallone yeah. reading. Okay, cool. Um, Twitter, at MFN Podcast. That's also our Instagram. Find us on Facebook, Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Go to our website, MidwestFilmNerds.com, in order to find all of our previous uh, 88 episodes, plus bonus episodes, plus full show notes for every episode. Um... Give us a call, 248-7335-MFN, which is 248-7335-636. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's about it. Yeah. Tim, I love you. Good to see you. I love you, too. Thank you for the gift. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. I don't think... You can't play it because it's region two, but <laughs> you'll, just, you'll enjoy it anyway. I don't need to play it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, you already know it. 
But we should find out if there are Japanese subtitles, so I can make I can make a copy of. No, I'm not going to record that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Kyle X Y, go watch the movie. <laughs>